real estate biz is drastically changing. And modern real estate success can't be learned in some old course manual. This is everything they never told you about real estate. Where industry leaders expose secrets to success, contemporary lead generation, and how to dominate social media. All moderated by your host, the real estate goat and queen of social media, Carrie Sauvey. Welcome. I am your host, Carrie, and I am joined by a very special guest today. He is Rob Golfie. He's the CEO and owner of the Golfie team. I'm sure everybody has heard of the Golfie team. He is the agent with his arms out in the air on every billboard, every bus that you ever pass. Hi, Rob. It's so nice to have you here today. Awesome. Thank you for having me, Carrie. It's, it's uh, great to be here. Thank you. So um, the name of the podcast is Everything They Never Told You About Real Estate. So let's dive right in. Um, what would you say is the number one thing that nobody ever told you about this industry before you became an agent? Way back, you know, way back. <laughs> Everybody thinks this business is easy and uh, it is not. You got to work. Um, we as realtors in the public eye on social media and all our marketing and everything, we make it look easy to the public. HGTV makes it look easy. All the, you know, the shows that we, it's so glamorous and everything. But once you're in the, in the heart of it and you're in the trenches, boy, it's a, it's, it's a rude awakening for sure. When, uh, when you get in this business. Yeah, it's hard. It's not easy. Like, um, when did you get into the industry? How many years ago was that? It's actually tw just tw 20, I just, just 25 years. And I remember when I started, um, there, the, the big thing was, uh, Mike Ferry, that Tom Ferry's father, mm -hmm. Mike Ferry, learning the scripts and everything. So I said, okay, I'm in, I'm going in. So I went to the, I got licensed in October <clears throat> and then I went, uh, to, um, to a Mike Ferry seminar in, uh, in, in, it was in October and, uh, you know, I'm listening on and, and say, you got to read these scripts and this is how you do it. So, um, I, I learned the scripts and when I got back from that, uh, I think it was, I can't remember if it was a one, it was a one day seminar or two day. I can't remember. And, uh, when I got back, I studied the scripts and I got on the phones and started calling and basically I just went. Go and I and the, and and they would teach you if you want to do it with two headsets. I did it with two headsets, two phones. So I had you know the headsets, you know the ear on one side and the mics both here facing this way. Mm -hmm. And then I would dial the one number, and uh, and while that's ringing, I'm gearing up the the other phone and dialing that number except the last digit or two. So if nobody picked up here, boom, I hit the last digit there and just kept going back and forth, back and forth. Uh, so I can double my time in, in, in trying now that we have automatic dialers. So it just keeps going and going. But, um, I was on the phones. I, uh, you know, open houses on the phones. Uh, I, I had to, uh, hustle. Like, I mean, I had a, you know, a, a family and, and, um, and there was no other income. It was just me. So I, I, my, there was no choice to succeed. Basically, I was all in. And uh, if that wasn't it, it, uh, I, I would have been. Uh, I don't know. Probably, who knows what, what happened to me? But I had no choice but to uh, to work hard and, and and start making a living. And you don't make money right away. Like it takes like four to six months, depending on how fast track you do it. So and and you've created debt during those four to six months. So you're trying to pay off debt at the same time. 
as you're getting your first pay- paychecks coming in. So, but it, uh, but you know what? Like, I mean, this business, it depends how the harder you work, the more you're going to do. And, and, and I was just talking to uh, a young lady, uh, this, this past week, and, uh, she is a, an air traffic controller and she wants to get into real estate. And I said, well, listen, quit your job when you get in. And she goes, oh, but I don't know. I said, listen, you are not going to know until you get fully into this business, whether you can, you know, and I says, if you're fully in, you will succeed. You have no choice. You have no choice but to succeed. But if you have a crutch where you know you got something to go back on, you will not do as well as you uh, that you should do. Yeah. You got to go all in, all in. Now, okay, you started in a, in a totally different time for real estate. Things were done so differently. I can't even begin. To, like, as you said, phone calls, phone calls, cold calling. I'm sure you yeah. did door knocking. Um, what do you think? Because things have, everything's high tech now. So did you have problems adjusting yourself or was it easy, easy for you? Um, what do you think about the progression of technology and real estate? I, I I wasn't with the progression when the uh, so when I first started I had a, a phone flip phone mm-hmm. I had a pager and I mm-hmm. had a Palm Pilot so basically that's all in one now that was the Black what came after that was the BlackBerry that I think the Palm Pilot was made by BlackBerry I think I'm not sure but but that was the three things basically you had them all around your belt you look like you, you know like you're a superhero with all these little gadgets on your belt so. But, um, I, um, yeah, like, and, um, and you would get pages, you go there, the, the different, the difference now and then is that, would it be easier? Is it easier? I think it was easier then than it is now. And even though there's so much more, um, and, but the transition for me was as technology changed, I adapted and went along with it. And I remember people that were 25 years older than me. And mm-hmm. as times were changing, they were struggling. So I remember a lot of uh, agents uh, probably 15 years ago, maybe more, they were in their 60s and they couldn't adapt to the new changes. And uh, they slowly faded away. They just they, they just couldn't do it. They couldn't do the social media as things were changing. It was re- changing too fast for them. And some of them are still lingering around and they have either their, uh, a colleague or, or their kids operating the business for them doing, you know, catch with clients of theirs from way back. But, um, but it, it is tough. And the only thing, the difference between myself and them is I hire smart people to work for me to make sure that I can, uh, adjust along with them. But, but here's the problem. Now I have people doing it for me. Now, if I'm left out alone on the island, I'm in big trouble because I don't know how to do all these things. So it's like, uh, so I always have to have somebody doing it for me. I got to make sure that I do have uh, the resource for someone to take care of me and doing all those uh, social media things and all this stuff that's done online and everything else. So it's, you know, the key thing is, is always hiring good people. And, and, and go with the transition. Don't fight it. Work with it and go with it. Look at these millennials and at Gen X. You know, they're, these guys, I mean, they're, they're, they're killing it, like, out the gate, some of them. Like, just as soon as they get in business, depends how good they are. Yeah. Now, you said yeah. that things probably were easier back then than, than they are now. And I, I would think that that would be true because when you think about the prospecting in terms of door knocking and cold calling, um, 
people, the general public didn't have access online back then. So they'd be more welcoming. I would, I would think, I don't know, because I didn't work back then, but I feel like they would be more welcoming to people calling them or knocking on their door, giving them information about the market because they couldn't get it anywhere else unless they had an actual conversation with an agent. Um, now everything's so accessible. There's so many freaking agents and, and these agents are struggling with the door knocking and the cold calling because Uh it's not as easy as it used to be. Right. Oh, absolutely. Back, back when I started, everybody answered their door. They're not like looking out the front window. They're not looking. Who is this guy? What's going on? They, they were happy to answer the door. They're like, Hey, we got, you know, we got company. (laughs) It's like, but now like, now, even when somebody rings my doorbell, I'm looking at my ring phone and I'm like, who is this guy? I don't know. What, what's he, you know, like, I, I don't, if I don't know him, I'm not going to answer the door. Like, I mean, it's funny how we came so antisocial when people come to our house. Like, you know what it is? We're, we're, we're so, we're so uh, trained that if somebody's coming to our house, they call us. They're, hey, listen, hey, I'm around the corner. I'm going to come to your house. Yeah. Nobody really just knocks on your door anymore out of the blue. It's just like like anybody you personally know that is a friend or a family will not just surprise yeah. visit you. They'll say, hey, Dave, I'm in the neighborhood. I'm going to come by. Okay, no problem. And then when the doorbell rings, you know it's him. But now when, so- when the doorbell rings and, you know, and there's no warning of that, uh, you know what? You're thinking twice. And you know what? It, it's just people, we've gotten a, a, a totally different mentality on answering the door. And same thing, even with the phone. A lot yeah. of people don't answer the phone if they don't recognize it. I make sure my name's on, I make sure my call display name is on the phone. I like when I'm uh, with Rogers, I say, Hey, listen, make sure my name shows up on there because I don't want to be calling everybody. And one time there was a, uh, something happened to my phone and my name wasn't showing up. And I found out, <laughs> Wait a minute. These guys are calling me. People are calling me to call them back. I'm calling them back. They're not answering the phone. And then I find out I didn't have the call. To, they, they couldn't see my name on the phone. So they weren't answering the phone. So you've got to have your name on the phone. And, and these unknown numbers that show up, I mean, nobody really answers those phones that much. You know, like as soon as that phone rings, you look at it. Uh, what do I do? Like it's ringing number one. Uh, you're thinking number two, uh, number three. Uh, I say, screw it. You know, yeah. if it's important, they'll uh, leave a message. But but nobody answers any phone unless there's uh, a name on there. So if you don't have I'm a, if you don't have your name on your phone, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely so. guilty of that. You talked about um, hiring, <laughs> making sure you hire good people. Okay, this is something that I personally have struggled with. I used to have a team. I no longer have one. I'm doing more coaching than production now. But when I had my team. Um, I had an ISA, but he was my ex fiance and he was family. Like we shared custody of our dog and he was a corporate, like he was like a head of corporate sales and was just doing this for me because like I'm family and it went so well. But when it comes to hiring somebody I don't want, I'm like, I'm so afraid to, because it's like, nobody gives a shit about my business, you know? Nobody cares about my business like me. And I'm so spoiled from having him for so many years that I struggle with it. So how do you, like, what are your experiences in hiring? Um, you gotta, yeah, yeah. You gotta, you gotta hire, you gotta hire well, you gotta hire well, take, take your time. Mm. Um, you gotta pay well. I think that's the only way you're going to get good people. And that's how you weed, weed the bad ones out because 
if somebody really wants a job and it's a good paying job, they're going to work hard. Now, if they think they can get away with, uh, you know, they think they just can fly by and, and get away with not doing the calls or, or not, not doing their job. It'll catch up to them. That's when you got to fire fast. And, um, but, uh, but if, when you're paying well, I think, I think like, it's like you have to hire five people to find two, two or three good ones. Yeah. yeah. And that's just the way it is. You can't, you can't just hire one. So when we hire, especially like if it's an inside sales, we'll hire three of them. And we know maybe one or two is not going to work out, but we want to find out which ones because sometimes people interview well, mm-hmm. and, but, uh, but, but they're terrible. They're terrible at working and, and vice versa. Some people don't interview that well. They're shy in this snap, but when they're working, they're, 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 they're animals. They're savages. They're, they're awesome. So, yeah. so it's always good to hire. And, it, and that's the cost of doing business. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta weed out the ones and, and it's a numbers game. It's a numbers game. And you just gotta hire five and, and fire three after that. And that, and I that's like how, that. that's Hiring how you find out which ones. I really like that because when you think about it, oh, yeah. they're all starting together and there's like an element of competition as well. Right. Which kind of like makes them perform, which I, I think it's absolutely. Really uh, yeah. Cause if one, if one person's making this many uh, touches a day and the other one isn't say, Hey, okay, wait a minute. Let, like, why aren't you doing as much as this guy? What are you doing? Are you taking, you know, too many smoke breaks? What's going on? So, <laughs> and that's how, and that's how you, that's how you find out. That's how you find out what's going on. Yeah. How many, uh, how many agents do you have on your team right now? Um, so we're, we're right around, uh, uh, 70 agents. Yeah. Uh, we're, uh, and then, um, so during the pandemic, we ended up hiring a lot of new agents, mm-hmm. a lot of new agents and, uh, a lot, you know, some of them, you know, it's hard to find out again. It's like hire five, get rid of, uh, three. So we eliminated ones that were not eager to work. And right now, uh, we are hiring actually talented agents that have experience in the business that have been in business for two or more years. And we've got agents on our team now, you know, they've been 10 years in the business, five years in the business. And uh, so it's nice to get that talent now. Cause I mean, like, 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 and we heard this even at the, uh, the buzz conference that, uh, that, um, that all anybody could have sold a house in the last bunch of years. Uh, it's just, the market was good, but right now you need, uh, you need to work at it. You gotta, you gotta hustle. You gotta make the phone calls. You gotta follow up. You gotta be in touch. Uh, and that's how, uh, um, you're going to earn this business. We, the one thing we can offer is we can offer the brand. This business is tough as it is, but it's a little easier when you're with us on our team, because we have a, we have a, a, a little bit of a, a brand out there that people recognize. So. Yeah, absolutely. People recognize it. Everybody recognizes it. My husband will call me and be like, fucking Rob Golfie. I just saw him five times. I've only been on the road for 20 minutes, Carrie. That's it. That's it. If you don't like me, man, you're really going to hate me. That's it. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so what about you're saying that you, you're looking for agents uh, that have been in the business for at least two years. It must be hard to find ones that actually have the drive because – as I said, I coach, I, I come across so many agents that have the experience, can do the deals, but they don't want to do the freaking work. Right. And how do you like, I'm like, maybe you should go on a team, but then at the same time, I'm like, maybe a team wouldn't be good for you because they're going to force you to do everything you don't want to do for your own business. So 
You know? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to tell you, like, it's for for new agents. I think going to a team if they're willing to hire you and train you, and there's and we've got some great talent from new agents that we hired that are doing phenomenal business. Now, you know, and those guys there, I'll tell you, the new agents when they come on our team. I mean, uh, the way I describe it, we're like the farm team. You come to us, right? Mm-hmm. And you learn the business and you learn it fast. What we, what we, you learn with us in two to three years, most people don't learn in 10, 15 years. And mm-hmm. so, because we talk about every situation uh, and negotiations and, and, and everything. So everybody learns from that experience on our team. Now, um, when you leave, you don't leave to go to another team from us. If you do that, it's either, uh, you know, there was a, maybe a strain in the relationship or, or another team has made a lot of promises and, uh, you know, that uh, they offering and, and don't deliver after they leave. And we've had a lot of people that have left us, went to other teams and regretted it. And we, do, we, have, the, we have the process that once you leave, you don't come back. We don't hire you back because it, it's just, it's, the dynamics never are the same. So, so we did have a, uh, people leave and, uh, you know, almost begging to come back. And we said, sorry, you know what? You believed the, that guy's story. And guess what? It didn't come through. But now the, the, uh, the agent that is two to five years, again, he's going to learn a lot more. We want you to learn from us and then go to the NHL. Basically, go to the pro team. So if you leave us, you should be going on your own. We want you to go on your own. We don't like you should not be leaving to go to another team. If you leave us, go on your own. We have a party for you. We, we, we celebrate. We thank you for your service and go on your own. And, and, we, and we appreciate that. And uh, but you should not be leaving uh, uh, us to go to another team, uh, uh, you know, because, um, I mean, we offer everything if, it, it, and I, I can't see what we do not do for you that another team can do because we we have so much to offer that it's, you know, sometimes maybe people didn't like some of the people on their team. Who knows? It depends the yeah. dynamics, but our culture is really good on our team. And we, we, and that's the most important thing that, um, that we want. You, you have, have a good reputation. Um, yeah. You have a, the reputation of having a really systemized and structured business. Um, there's too many teams out there right now that are just like pop-up makeshift teams. Some agent who's doing $150,000 a year thinks that he wants to build a team and it's like, fuck, you don't even have any systems in your own business. And then that's why you have all these, these agents that are like, Oh, he's making so many promises. I'm going to go over here. And they end up team hopping because they're going through a lot yeah. of these bullshit teams that really don't offer yeah. anything. And I'm, yeah. So there's, there's too many yeah, of they those. They don't have systems in place. Yeah. There's, there, there's a lot. Uh, they don't have systems in place or anything. And then, and, and I get it. I get why they want to have start a team because you know why they're competing. There's, there is a lot of teams out there. There is a lot of teams and people, the consumer are looking for, teams to sell their house. I mean, individ- I'm not saying anything negative about I- individual agents that are doing it on their own. They're doing fantastic. There's a lot of them, but I'm going to tell you the training, the conditioning that the consumer's getting out there is that the teams have everything. So now if I was an individual agent starting out, going there, <laughs> I would put down team at the end of my name, just because So like, at least you could say, if you don't have a team, maybe you're going to get a team down the road or whatever. You have the team at your office, whatever it is, but you're going to need to have team or group or 
associates or whatever uh, on your name in the future. And I think that's going to be in five years or, or, or less, like, cause that's what, that's what the consumer is going to be looking for. They're going to look for, they want somebody that has systems, they, that has a team that can take care of them and do everything. And an individual agent, um, I mean, they could, I mean, we still offer personalized service. People think the uh, individual uh, teams don't offer it. Each agent, one of us are working with somebody and they're offering that individual um, uh, personalized service. Now teams, what they have is they have the power of, of getting you more exposure, getting you more uh, stuff for your, for your sale of your property or, or, or buying because they have access to more services and, and, and things. But, but I think if you're, uh, if you're an individual agent, just put down, hey, my name is Jane Smith Team. <laughs> and uh, just put that on your business card. And that'll probably, that'll, that, could, oh, that could make the difference of maybe an extra two to five deals a year. Uh, just, I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. So, so now you're going to see way more teams out there. Everybody. Little piece of advice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah put, team, put team, team at the end of your name. That's it. Um, okay. So, what do you see from the, all the agents on your team? Cause you have so many, what do you see the biggest struggles that they're going through right now in today's market? Is it um, the technology? You know, is it social media? Is it conversion? Is it, I don't know. Tell me. It, you know what it is? Um, it, it is conversion. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the, the biggest struggle is, um, they're not used to, um, following up as much as, as they, sh they should there, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it's been easy for them and now they really have to work. Everybody has to work in this business, no matter wh who you are, what team you are or whatever, you got to hustle and you got to work it. It's a little easier with us. I'm, I'm not going to deny it than anybody else because of the brand, but, but you still got to hustle it. You know what? Our brand gets us to the kitchen table. Now it's up to them to, to do their presentation and 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 win that client and 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 become personalized and and with that client, like we can get we we get to the kitchen table, but now, you know, and a lot of times we don't get it. Like like for instance, um, um, when we go to the kitchen table, the way, the way I operate and a lot of the agents on our team do, some and is that first I want to find out their motivation. Right. What's their motivation? If I find out what their motivation is, okay, they have, they want to move. They need to move. Okay. Perfect. Now I tell them what I feel the value of the property is. And I said, and then I ask them, what, 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 what number did you have floating around in your head? You know, let's say I say it's, it's 900 and they say 1.1 or 1.2. And I said, you know what? I, I, I appreciate that. But what made you like, what, what did you see or what comparable or what uh, gave you the idea that, that uh, it's worth 1.2? And it's hard for them to come up with it because, well, that house was listed for that. No, no, no. I need to know sales. I don't, uh, I don't need to know houses for sale because there's a lot of houses for sale that didn't sell in the past 12 months. Yeah. And so, and I said, listen, I'll try that number for you. I says, I have no problem working for you, but, but I'm, I'm just letting you know, this is the number where I think you need, where you need to be to get it sold. So if, and, you know, and I explained to them, like, if an offer comes in, in that number or close to it, I think you, you got to seriously look at it. We'll try to negotiate a higher number, but that's probably where it's going to end up at. So, and so I'm upfront with everything. I'm transparent and everything. Yeah. Do I get all of them? No, because I show them all the service. I show them everything that we do and all the marketing and everything that we can do to get their house, the biggest exposure, the biggest reach. And another guy comes in and say, Hey, yeah, 1.2. No problem. I don't know why, uh, uh, Rob doesn't think it's not worth that much, but yeah. And meanwhile, the guy's got no credentials, nothing. And he gets it listed. 
And then it sits for six months. Uh, so then what happens is that's, that seller will say, hey, listen, you took it for that much. I'm not dropping a price because you said you could sell it for that much. I tell them I'll put it for that much, but I don't know if the market's yeah. going to accept that number. But here's the number. Like I just did one. It was in uh, East Hamilton. We listed it at uh, 1.2. And I told him, I said, it's, it's probably about a million bucks. I think it's under a million. And uh, seven days, zero showings. I said, we got to drop it uh, 200,000. And he, boom, we did it. We dropped it 200,000 because yeah. he knew that's what we're going to do. And then next week, we're, we're probably going to drop it down another 100,000. And that's where the number is going to be. That's, it's going to sell at yeah. that number. And now this guy bought this place for a million dollars in the first quarter of 2022, <laughs> put another 250 to 300,000 in renovations. So this guy's losing. A lot of money on this, but he's got his money all tied up in there. He wants to do flips. He mm -hmm. wants to do flips and everything. So he, so he needs that money to go on to the next project. So even though he knows he's going to take a loss and, and a lot of, a lot of investors took losses, mm -hmm. uh, especially if they bought in the first quarter of last year and now they're trying to flip, they're going to take the loss. They have to accept it. That's the cost of doing business. Not, you can't yeah. win every single uh, deal that you do. So, yeah, but as the real estate professional, that's where it comes in on, on us to show them, okay, how much you make per flip. This is how many you could do in the next couple of years. You're taking this much of a loss over here, but look how much you have to gain. Right. So, Absolutely. Oh my God, I have a story for you. So these agents okay. that will, it's getting desperate right now for a lot of agents. Let's say that, yeah. you know, a lot of agents are willing to take way overpriced listings, lie to their clients, Let's talk about the agents that are dropping their commission. So I had this listing appointment. I went there, had it in the bag. Okay. At 5%. Yeah, yeah. Because. Oh, wow. Good for you. That's how I fucking operate. Unless it's a friend. <laughs> no, listen, if it's a friend or it's a, a repeat client, yeah, I'll do the yeah. four. But like, honestly, yeah. what I'm experiencing is the Toronto agents coming in. And if I have, if I'm cooperating at two, they're saying I'm not showing this without 2.5. So what right, I do is right. I tell my, the clients I do give a discount to at four. I'm like, we have an agent come in that wants 2.5 and they're giving us a good number. You're fucking paying it. You know what I mean? And yeah. I make sure that they know that. But, okay, so I leave there, I get everything ready, send the paperwork over. She calls me and she's like, well, my uh, boyfriend's got a, a friend who wants to list it for 3.5. And I'm like, oh, see ya. I've been there. Uh, sorry, been there. I'm not doing it. Do you want a professional or do you want, you know, some guy from, I think he was from like north of Toronto. Or I'm like. Are you serious yeah. right now? Your listing's in Caledonia, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Happening? So I, I didn't even, I did had to drop it down a little bit from 5%, but there was to no keep way it. I was going 3.5 and no, no. And she, she made the right decision. No. Like she watches my yeah. social media. She knows the kind of marketing I do and she knows my reach. And she was like, fuck it. Like I'll pay more. You know, and, but it all, you know, I'll, like I'll, I'll tell you. So there was a, a survey done on uh, Fair Square and mm -hmm. Fair Square did a, did a survey and they were trying to figure out why people weren't signing up with them as much as they should have. And do you know what the, the, it turned out? They thought the commission was too good to be true. The low commission was too good to be true. So people recognize that mm -hmm. the discounted rate is like, I don't know. Like I am, I'm, there's gotta be something I'm missing. And yeah. that's what people felt. 
So, in, and that's why they like Fair Square. They had a lot of a lot of expired listings. A lot of them didn't sell. They ended up going to realtors after and selling them. They needed agents to uh, sell sell these properties. Uh, they needed agents to sell these properties to, to, for them to continue. Yeah. Um, if they were going to make it, because when when they first started as Com Free, they really did not offer any money to the cooperating agent. As yeah. time went on, they'd started offering money, and then Purple Bricks bought them. They st- they offered a little more, and as, and then after, um, when they hit Fair Square, they were offering I think two percent to the agent, mm-hmm. and they were charging I think four thousand dollars on the other end. So it was almost the full commission. So Fair Square didn't even at the end of it didn't even offer anything, and 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 you know they just basically put it on MLS and mm-hmm. see you later, and then and and every and if you had somebody to negotiate for your house, it was a different person every night. So if the deal was going on for two three nights, there was always a different person that was negotiating for you on your behalf. There wasn't the same agent doing it for you, uh, you know. It's just, but and hey, there you go. It, it, it that just proved that they closed up. It didn't work out. Now they're they're gone. They're gone. But so. do you remember the sweet spot with Com Free? So the sweet spot is those two years where agents would not show the property because they were not um, cooperating. However, so there was no showings on the property, but they were starting to realize that they had to cooperate. So whenever I bought a yeah. property or my family bought a property, I'm like, we're only looking at Com Free right now because. Yeah, they're empty. They're overpriced. They're empty um, because agents aren't showing them. But the owners are getting to the point where they're like, "We'll give you two point five. We'll give you three percent. We don't care, right?" So that you know, we're getting oh, good yeah. deals. Oh, for sure. You know what? You know what the thing is when these people that sold with Comfrey, Purple Bricks, or Fair Square during the boom time when the markets were super hot, they left so much money on the table. Those guys yes. because. They didn't know how to organize and, and hold offers and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. They have no idea. They were worried about the commission. Yeah. They should have been worried more about the freaking sale price of their house. And you know what? And, and, and like they were so misinformed. These, you know what? Like people were so worried about the like like saving the like the the pennies that they didn't worry about the dollars. Like 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 don't, wouldn't you want fifty to a hundred thousand dollars more for your house? But you're worried about saving about five thousand dollars off off. The commission? Are you kidding me? Yeah. I saw so many houses. I'll tell you, the people that bought from Comfrey, Purple Bricks, or Fair Square during the boom times, like 2007, 16, 17, part of the first. That's per- what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then in 2021 and, 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 and 2020, mm-hmm. all those guys that bought, uh, uh, sold their house through there, hey, I, 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 they, but some of them won't admit it, but I'll tell you something. When they saw their neighbor's house sell for 50 to a hundred thousand dollars more and, and they're like, and within a week after, are you kidding me? I would be upset. I'd be like, what did I do? I really messed that one up. And, uh, and you know, like, so like, it's just misinformed, misinformed people. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, you know, the public is, you know, that all this information, positive, negative and good and bad. and, And it's just, it's tough for them to see what, what to believe or what not to believe, you know? Yeah. It, you get what you pay for at the end of the day. I'm a yeah. firm believer in any industry. You get what you pay for. If you want to maximize your results, you're going to have to pay a full <sighs> professional. And that's all there is to and, it. And the anyway, thing is we, we, 
we work for nothing. We work for nothing. It's not like we're they're paying us up front. If we yeah. don't get the number that that it, it, that they need to get to get sold, then it it didn't cost them anything. So mm-hmm. so why why not go with somebody that is going to be great at what they do and get you top dollar and and at the end of it when you're signing on a dotted line like you you don't have to sign it like we don't get paid unless we sell the house so we literally work for free until they say yes and so i don't know why they would want to go elsewhere when uh when uh they can get top dollar like going to comp free they had i think a lot of them had to pay up they had to pay first Paid mm-hmm. 900 bucks or something like that to get a sign, maybe some feature sheets. And, uh, I'm not sure what else they got for 900 bucks. And, and, but nobody gave it, gave a crap. Nobody gave a shit about the listing after that. Comfrey got their money. Whether they sell it or not, they got paid. They already got paid. Us guys that are out there working hard, busting our asses off, we're, we're hustling and we don't get paid unless we make our client happy. And, uh, but they don't, I've, uh, they didn't, they don't see that when you're, uh, when you're sitting there at the table. Yeah, absolutely. It's so emotional for people, right? It's the residential real estate is so emotional. I feel like, cause I do commercial as well. I feel like residential is difficult because you're managing emotions and commercial is the exact opposite, but it's also difficult, maybe even more difficult because it's purely about numbers. (laughs) <laughs> so it's, oh, I know. I know. They all have their I challenges. Um, oh. What do you think? Actually, I got a couple of questions. What do you think about Treza and the changes that are coming? I'm actually, I talked to Tim Hudak yesterday at the conference and he's going to come Tre- on here and go through the whole, the whole thing. Treza. Yeah, Tre- I think I, I read it. Tre- Treza is the. So that's the, um, the cha- Reba oh. is going to be called Treza now. So it's like the open bidding, um, oh, oh, the right, designated, right. designated. Like one of my agents called me and she said, "Yes, the, the open bidding." I don't think I think it's just going to be something that comes in and it's going to be forgotten about. I, I I still think people um, now the open bid. I don't think we can. Uh, we have to have permission from the client to actually show the actual bid that that's happening. Am I correct? Yeah. So I don't even think it's in Ontario. I don't know if it's, it's yeah. coming, it's coming. It was supposed to start in April, but they're yes. behind. Um, so we're looking past the summer, but what's going to happen is it's going to be the client's choice, the open bidding or closed bidding, how much information they want shared, whether it's just price, whether it's just conditions, like it's going to be all up to the client. Uh, I think it'll be fun. I want to do. I want to do. <laughs> I I, I want to do one. I have a property that I I, I it's, it's currently vacant right now, and uh, I I I may end up doing something like that with that. And see what uh, see what the response is as a test as a test market. But you know what? As a buyer, mm-hmm. as a buyer, and if I'm submitting an offer, there's no other offers. Um, I I think I would put something in my offer saying, "Listen, I'm submitting an offer." I'm not, uh, and I'm, I'd like you to sign an NDA indicating that this is between you and I. I don't want the public to know my price or my conditions that I'm off, like what, what clauses I have in there. Because as a buyer, like the next guy can come in and offer $1,000 more and bump that guy, and it just keeps going up, 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 up. And, and that's, that's, that's what the government either wants or doesn't want. I don't know. Um, but 
if there's only one offer on it, I, I don't think it should be disclosed. Now, it, you want to try to generate another offer as a, representing a seller, as you know, the agent representing a seller. Mm-hmm. But as a buyer agent, as a buyer agent, and as a buyer, I say, hey, I'm going to submit an offer, but I don't want it. Uh, I don't. I don't want to disclose my price to to the public. I think this is you either make a decision whether you like it or not, or work with it. Yeah. Uh, as a seller, yeah, it's good to have it because then now the, the, here's the ben- here's the benefit of that. So let's say you've got a listing that's listed at at a million dollars but it's really worth 850,000 so um an offer comes in it's an open bid and it comes in at 850,000 another guy's going you know what i, I would pay 860 for that or 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 885 or whatever so that guy another guy may come in and, and submit that right yeah so that that will enhance another offer to come in but and because everybody knows away. it's not worth a million dollars. Yeah. So you're saying that's right. And everybody knows away. they say, Hey, it, it wouldn't, it would actually draw more people. So mm-hmm. it, um, so it, it may bring in another offer that it may get a little more than the eight fifty than the, of the value that it is. So one guy comes in at eight fifty, another guy comes at eight seventy five. It sells for eight eighty. Really the value was at eight fifty. It went into competition, but, but then, but if it's at a, a million, most people aren't going to put an offer in, but yeah. then if they see one guy, then the next guy may come in and say, "Hey, we're going to work under the nine hundred thousand mark. I'm willing to work with that, but I'm not going to go over that yeah. number." So that could that could help the overpriced listings, depending on the uh, on the seller. But I think that'll draw more people to come in and submit an offer and say, "I'm willing to pay that much." If that guy's willing to go in that much, I'll pay a little more than him, and I'll take that. It's, uh, yeah. it, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell which direction that, uh, the open offer system is going to go. It's hard to, it's hard to tell. Yeah. But on the other end, like, cause I've had a couple of listings that have gone into multiple offers in the last couple of weeks and it's only like three or four offers and it's only a difference, you know, the highest offer was 10,000 more than the, than the next highest. So that yeah. would prevent that extra 10, you know, because yeah. So it's kind of, it's a little sketchy, right? Like it could be good in certain situations and it could be bad for sellers in certain situations and buyers like, okay, we all have those buyers when there's a bidding war, they just go into a freaking frenzy. I, oh. I like imagine as a buying agent trying to manage your out of control buyer from keeping oh. to raise his his uh, oh my god bid. and it I, we know these ones too and it's yeah. so emotional and they don't really listen to it or you know the ones where they come back they lost and they were like we'll go back in and tell them I'll give them more and it's like <laughs> too late <laughs> you know you don't but what about those deals that sold. The, the spread between the first offer and the second offer is like 150, 200,000. Like there's a lot of those that happened, eh? Like, oh, like, you know what I mean? I feel sorry for those guys that, that jumped yeah. in uh, the, the gun on that one. Uh, yeah. And, and you know what? And, and I'll tell you, I had a rule, a, a rule how I used to negotiate for clients, even myself when I was putting offers in. I used to add $5,000 to every offer that was submitted. So okay, there's ten Until offers. So ten <laughs> offers. Yeah. So I, I go fifty thousand. Okay. So then I'm gonna add a little more on top of that. I'm gonna add. Okay. Maybe I'll go sixty-five thousand. You know, uh, yeah. instead of fifty thousand. And I and and back before the the GTA buyers coming this way, mm-hmm. I I went by that. And I I would win all the time. Yeah. Now 
these GTA buyers went cuckoo and they freaking said, okay, I'm going 100 and over ask and I'm going 150. That kind of threw those, those, that uh, formula out the window. And, uh, and they just kind of messed up the whole market. They, like, they basically came down into the Hamilton Niagara region and Brantford and probably Barrie, Ontario and Kitchener water, like all the way, all everywhere surrounding the GTA. And they just threw their money down like that. Like there was no, no, no end to no money just kept growing on trees. That's it. And they just threw their money and yeah, you know, crazy. That's the perfect example of out of town agents coming into an area that they don't freaking know. And they aren't familiar with the market and allowing that to happen because you know, in, in the GTA, when the bidding wars were happening, before they got really bad here, they were going $200,000, $300,000 over asking. So now we've got GTA, GTA agents coming down with their buyers, and they don't need to do it, but they're, they're, they're bidding the same way in a different market. And that essentially was, I think, one of the, um, something that aided the the frenzy. Oh yeah. For, right? it, it, oh, for sure. For sure. And, and the great thing about dealing with these, uh, uh, Toronto agents coming into our markets was they finally found a house for their client. And <laughs> so when you're negotiating with them, it's like, here, this is our final price buggy, uh, 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 Sparky. Listen, either take it or keep driving down the queen Elizabeth's way for the next five days and try to find them something else. And you know what? Those, <laughs> Those agents, they just said, "Oh boy!" They took it. They pushed their clients to take these uh, uh, counter counter offers back and say, "Listen, this is it. This is there because they didn't they didn't want the deal to fall apart because they didn't want to come back down and, and start driving them and look and showing them properties anymore." So, oh, it, it, like, I mean, I mean the consumer. I can't believe the consumer doesn't realize that, and so they get sucked into these buyer buyer agreements. A Toronto a Toronto agent is assigning their clients to a buyer agreement to sell them a house in in Niagara Falls. Can you imagine driving all the way to Niagara Falls from Toronto to show somebody a house? I mean, that is it could be just one house, a full day event, like like all yeah. you know, like depending on traffic, depending on weather, depending on everything else. And I'm just like, hey, buddy, I got you. You have to. Listen, you want this house for your client? Yeah. Do you want to, if you, if you're going to have to pay our price. I, you know what I mean? Like we had them. Rob. Had them. And if most is, agents were good. Yeah. Rob, <laughs> listen to this. Okay. So the agents that are demanding 2.5% from Toronto, when they're calling me, they're saying, well, I have to drive all the way there. Are they not listening <laughs> yeah. to themselves? That's telling me that you have no business. How dare you come and demand yeah. a certain amount of do- like a oh. dollar amount from me and cooperating commission. It sounds to me like you're desperate to spend, you know, oh. two hours in a car on a Saturday afternoon. No. You know what I mean? Who are you kidding at this point? Oh, no kidding. No kidding. And, and a lot of these realtors now, uh, I find that in, in, especially in the Mississauga, uh, area is that they're working. So they, they offer two, two and a half percent because that's what the commission is to the cooperating broker in Mississauga and Toronto, but two and a half, mostly in Mississauga. So what they're doing is they're listing houses at two and a half percent commission total. So they're what? paying the cooperating broker. Yeah. I'm telling <laughs> you. And, and so, but no, no. So they're doing it for two and a half percent. That's as long as they buy a house through them. So they're going to make the money on the buying end. I'm like, like, okay, so now think about this. 
Really? You got a guy that is the full commission's two and a half percent. So he's going to do zero marketing, put a for sale sign on the front lawn, put a lockbox on the door and pray and wait that somebody brings an offer to him and pay the two and a half. He's got zero. He's got no money coming in. And then he's got to show him house, find him a house. And that's where he's going to get paid. Is that how, is that how they're, they're going to get their business? I don't know. So, you know, and we get people coming to us and say, Hey, they do that there. I says, go ahead, do it. I says, good luck with your service. I says, good luck on them negotiating. You think they care about how much you get for your house? They're going to push you to take the, uh, the best, uh, the, the first offer that comes in and, yeah. and they're not going to work hard for you. I, I, you know, and wow. you know what? They don't see that. They don't see it. And this is the biggest investment of their life. And they're, and they're, and they're just letting shoemakers deal with it. I just, it's just, it's frustrating. And you know what? In BC, they don't allow part-time agents. They, they should do that here. They should do that here. Eliminate, like eliminate 40%, 40, 40, 50% of the agents off the board. Boom. I'll pay a little bit more money for my fees for that, but get rid of them, get rid of them because they're, 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 they're making the industry bad. Yeah. You know? Um, what about Airbnb with all these, uh, new laws coming in, uh, the new restrictions. I personally was thinking about Airbnb being my primary residence. So I did a little <laughs> digging into it with, at the city. It's di- it sounds a lot worse than it is. Like the girl that I spoke to at the city is like, Oh, you're fine. As long as your driver's license is there and we're just going to give you a, a license and that's not even going to come into effect for months from now. And, <laughs> but it was lovely. Right. But it's got everybody kind of panicked all these corps. Mm. I have a couple clients that, you know, have a group of Airbnbs under the corp and they're like, sell it, sell everything and move me to Kitchener. You know, <laughs> so that's what they want to do. Oh, <laughs> oh I know. You know what? I've always said, I've always said this and, I, and I'll say it again. When you're buying an investment property, buy it based on uh, what income you can get for a long-term tenant. Now, if you want to Airbnb it, that's fine. Do it. But don't solely go by the Airbnb Airbnb uh, rental income, that the potential that you can make. Because they change laws all the time, and they'll put you out of business. And look what's happening. So people that bought properties, and now they may say, okay, you know what? I don't want the hassles of this Airbnb anymore with the city or anything like that. I'm going to rent the house out for 2000 bucks a month or twenty or $3,000 a month. And yeah, they were probably getting five, $6,000 a month through Airbnb, but now that, that, that those days are going to be gone. So if they can rent it out and, it co- and everything covers uh, as a long-term rental, they're fine. They're fine. And I always said, you're, if you're going to buy a property for Airbnb, make sure that the long-term rental income, the potential income that you can get can cover that. And if you do, if you got that, you are solid. And, uh, and, and look what, look what happened. I mean, governments change and, and, uh, municipality yeah. change laws all the time. And, uh, and you know what, and I don't know where they're getting squeezed from the hotel industry. It's, it, uh, you know, it's hard to tell, but it's, uh, it was a good, it was a good concept, the LTV and, and, but it'll always be there. That's yeah. it. And it'll always be there. It'll always be there. Anyway, and it did eliminate a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, tenants and people don't want the hassles of, of these long-term tenants not paying their uh, rent. Right. So they say, Hey, let's go Airbnb way. Like, you know what I mean? If the landlord tenant board was a little bit better in dealing with, uh, situations, uh, then you know what? Maybe people will get in the business of buying a, a rental property and renting it out for long-term. But you know what? When a guy can get away and not paying rent for six to six months to a year, what, Over you think a year people now. want to get involved with that? Like, yeah, like it's it's insane. And I can't believe the government is even allowing 
that to happen to people, yeah. but they're, but they're okay with people not paying the rent. But you know what? Yeah. That's stealing, and they're I letting them like steal. That. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's. I, I did a whole. I like uh, the old days. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. The Rob. old days, you just go up to the old the old days when you were collecting. They didn't have the rent. You grab them by the shirt and say, "Hey, pay it." Now it's uh, anyway. Those days are gone. Those days are gone. <laughs> right. Depending on the tenant. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I am, I have very strong feelings about our government's uh, shortcomings with, to protect the small landlord and the LTV broken system. I have very strong feelings about it. I am a landlord myself. It is fucking awful. And uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully something oh, can know. be done at some point. It's just, you know, I I believe, Rob, that um, in our country, housing should be a human right. I do agree with that 100%. However, it should not fall on the backs of the small landlords with their uh, investment properties that are invested in for retirement. Uh, it should, you know, the government needs to step up and provide more housing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and yeah, no, and the small landlords getting beat up and, and sometimes the guy wants to start first time landlord and he has the worst experience that anybody could ever have. And he yeah. just happens to be the unlucky one. And, uh, and, and he's dealing with it. I have my son, he bought his first investment property and he had a, a, a bad, a bad tenant. And, uh, it was, it was about, I think four to six months it, and, uh, and it, it was a lucky. tough one. Like, Yes. Yes. He is lucky. And, uh, but I'll, I'll tell you, like, but that was his first, ex first experience and, and, and his first pro uh, investment property that he purchased and his first experience with a, with a tenant, uh, you know, that gave first and last month's rent and then didn't want to pay the rest. And then somebody, and then the mother moves in and then the daughter moves out. And it was just like, it was just, it was just, it was just a disaster. And, and sometimes, you know what? These people, the, karma, karma always is a bitch. You know what I mean? They'll get yeah. theirs eventually. And you know what? They, they, they're going to cross the wrong person. And when they cross that wrong person and, and, and that's when things uh, is going to, that's when the payback happens, but it, it's not going to happen for my son or me, but somebody else is going to, they're going to cross the wrong person. And that's, and that, and they, and, and they deserve it. Whatever, whatever happens, if it's, and if it's in a bad way, because they, they treated a lot of other people badly. Yeah. And Rob, like, let's be honest, because of the backup is now over a year, even to get a hearing. So you're looking at a year and a half for a legal eviction. It's getting to the point where as a landlord, if you have somebody not paying, you're looking at the 50,000, 30 to $50,000 fine and possibly losing more money in a year and a half uh, on your mortgage and losing your house we're going to see a lot more of illegal evictions because it makes sense money wise. It makes more sense that way. Yeah. Hit me with a, yeah. hit me with a $30,000 fine. If I, if you don't, if I don't get them out, yeah. I'm gonna it's, cheaper, it's cheaper to take the fine. A year and a half, so fuck off, yeah, you know, cheaper to take the fine than wait fricking uh, 18 months for uh uh, the landlord, landlord tenant board to come to the hearing. And then, and then if you have one little mistake made, like you've missed a comma on their name or something like that, Oh, <laughs> this is not the right person. Like, really give me a break. Come on. You know what I mean? That's so stupid. But, uh, you know, like, it's just crazy. You know, the best way how you get rid of these tenants when they, when they're out for dinner one night, you go in, you get a crew of 20 guys and you go and move all their shit out, move another tenant in and say, sorry, I can't kick this tenant out. 
This is a new tenant I got here. Now let them take you to the landlord tenant board. That's the way you do it. You gotta, you gotta play. Uh, that's it. Just say, I just got this tenant. I, I thought you were moving out. I thought you were moving out. I said, I didn't move you out. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> just get the crew in and get them out. You can empty a house out in, in half an hour, half an hour. That's it. And then let them call the police. Way. I wonder if that would work for me. I'm like a girl. I show up in like a little skirt and like a nice little blouse. And I'm like, I thought he left. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Say, hey, these are the, these these tenants. They moved in. I thought these guys said they were moving out. And, uh, you know, I saw them moving their stuff out. So I told these tenants to move in. And, uh, well, I can't kick these guys out. I got a lease with them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, uh, so well, take me to, take me to the landlord tenant board. Uh, Eighteen months later, <laughs> so oh, you didn't know oh, yeah. when a tenant is illegally evicted, they get a hearing within two to three months. Oh, of course, why not? Of course, they get the privilege. Why not? Nothing, you know. You know what, what else is new? You know, you can't win. You can't win. Eh? That's oh, the way this goodness. world is made of. That's okay, so all. let's let's shift away from the bad part of our market to the good part of our market. Like what are you seeing right now this week in Hamilton and Niagara? So the market spiked in, in February and I knew that was going to happen. I told everybody, you know, get your house on the market for February. Cause it, it, and it did spike. It started spiking. It started the, act, the activity started really happening the last week of January and it happened right through the whole month of February it was fantastic. And then part of March, it was good, but then it really, quietened down after. And then, so I printed out the numbers and the, the average sale price did come down in March from, uh, from February sale sales were up mm-hmm. in March than it was in February, but the average price came down uh, a bit. It, it, it's still higher than it was in January. Yeah. And, uh, but I think we're going to see a lot of little spikes throughout the year. And, uh, and it's hard to tell, but I'm, I, I like, uh, Deloitte said that uh, at the third quarter of this year, they think there's going to be a spike. I think it, I think we're going to get different spikes through, you know, maybe every third month or every second month you're going to see, it, but it's going to average out. It's not going to be like crazy like it was in 2021 and in, in, mm-hmm. in the first quarter of 22, but it, it, it's going to move, move along and, 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 and people are just going to come into the market and leave the market. I think who's going to struggle here is people are not going to be, uh, looking for new homes because they don't want to wait a year mm-hmm. for that home to be built because they don't know what the interest rates are going to be in a year. They don't want to get involved in a contract with a uh, a builder, uh, you know, saying, "Hey, well, listen, if construction costs go up, you're going to have to pay the premium. You have to pay a." a pay more for that and say, Hey, wait a minute. I want to buy this house today. I want the price today, but I want the interest rate within the next 120 days. So if you can't do it then go on, I think builders today, they're going to have to build a lot of spec homes if they want, if they want uh, them sold. Cause people are, I think are afraid to wait a year. A lot of condo people got stuck. Look at the one in Grimsby that uh, is, uh, is people are just moving in uh, starting April. Where a lot of people can't afford them because the interest rates. Now there was a lot of delay on that building because of COVID, because of strikes with contra- uh, like uh, unions and everything else. So they got they got put behind two years. Now can you imagine if that closed those those condos closed two years ago? Um, chances are that they would have had it at a better interest rate. At a you know what I mean? I mean yeah. they got good prices, but a lot of them a lot of them can't close. They the interest rates are too high and. Uh, 
and uh, they, so there, so a lot of them are trying to assign the assign the list uh, the the sale. Yeah. 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 So, but, uh, but yeah, no, the mar- I think the market, but, but here's my, here's my prediction and you can keep this. It, it um, we are going to experience a huge, huge uh, bubble happening in 2026. It's going to start happening and the peak is going to happen in the first quarter of 2027. And then we're going to have again, the same, what happened in 2021 and 22 is going to happen in 2026 and 27. Identical market. So now is the time for the consumer to yeah. buy. I mean, like I got I to tell you, like everybody's wages are up a lot higher than they were two years ago. Uh, yes, uh, consumer goods are up, gas is up, groceries are up and everything. I get it. But we have a shortage of homes in this country. We have a shortage of labor in this country and we have a shortage of everything. There is going to be such a huge um uh, demand that's going to happen. It's going to start in the next couple of years. It's, it's, and you're going to see everybody coming in, all these immigrants coming into this country. They start, and they're, they're the best savers immigrants because they don't, they're not into, you know, flashy stuff, consumer, consumer goods. They all, all the uh, immigrants just buy groceries and they buy secondhand clothes or, or they, they don't shop expensive. So they're the biggest and fastest savers and they're buying houses and they're going to be buying houses in the next couple of years. And you're going to find there's going to be a huge boom happening in 2026 and, and the first quarter of 27. And then it'll, it'll readjust itself. And again, we're going to go through the same cycle again in the next five, five to seven years. Yeah. It's a cycle. It really is. Prediction. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a cycle. Uh, it's 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 like we just went through our, our real estate recession uh, from April first of last year to December thirty first. If you're going to buy a house, I'll tell you, December was the best time to buy a house right? last year. December, there was deals. I'm telling you, and now now it's starting to climb back up a little bit. You know, what do you what do you think about the buyers that really want? Okay, these buyers that want a deal, like they really want a deal. You know, the buyers I'm talking about but yet they chose not to buy at the bottom. And then as soon as everybody else comes back to the market, there they magically are. What the fuck is with yeah. that? I know. They just, you know what they're doing? They're, they're following, they're going with the mass. They got to go against it. So yeah. everybody was waiting and holding back in, in November, December. You know what? Th- those were the deals right there. I know. And and, I, and I'm telling I'm telling there those were the deals. Like if you bought, I'm going to tell you something. If you bought a property in November, December of last year, you could have sold it in February this year, probably in May, fifty thousand, without even doing a single thing. Not even you didn't have to do anything to the house. Yeah. Just close on it February first, put it up for sale, back up for sale February uh, February second, and you probably would have made fifty to eighty or a hundred thousand dollars on depending on your market, depending on the area, whether it's Burlington, Niagara, depending on the price point. If it was if it was a uh, a one point five million dollar house you bought it for in, in November, December, chances are you could have sold it for one point seven million in, in February of this year. And that, I I'll tell you the, the opportunities are out there all the time. And um it's just it's just taking advantage of it, and I always tell people: you want to sell your house, sell it at the in, at the first half of the year. If you want if you want to buy a house, buy it in the second, in the, especially in the in the last quarter of the year. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. What do you think about the market in Niagara? Um, I primarily work in Hamilton. I do do some in Niagara because I live here. I just moved here a year ago, um, yeah. and I have friends and family here, so I do a very little bit. 
but I haven't done anything lower than Beamsville in the last month. So I'm curious to know yeah. what's happening in Niagara compared to Hamilton. Have they started picking up? Have they followed suit? Because we all know they follow, you know, they're a little bit behind by a few months, but that's how yes. the trend is, right? With Niagara they, they, and Hamilton. They did have uh, an increase in February, not as much as Hamilton did. Um, but um, Niagara, I'm going to tell you, is going to – it exploded in the last five to seven years. And it's going to continuously go that way because a lot of people from the GTA are moving that way. A lot of, a lot of money is going down that way, Niagara Falls, especially Niagara Falls. That's why – like, like if, you, if, if you know the area well, like Chippewa is just outside of, of uh, Niagara Falls. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that was kind of a remote area of Niagara Falls, right? And, but, now, and, but now it's becoming like the in place to, to, to buy. So a lot of out-of-towners are buying in there. And even the locals are buying in Chippewa now because it's becoming more of a bigger community there. But not only that, in Stevensville now – so now you go down the Queen Elizabeth way, just past McLeod Road. I yeah. think the next one or two exits, Even it's so. before you hit Fort Erie. That That's becoming that's- an area of big, huge development. And uh, so a lot of people are moving out that way. And it's just because of the affordability. But now, the, because of the affordability, that's why they're going there. But 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 they're causing the, the market to inflate dramatically. And so it's, it's, it's becoming expensive in that area. And like, I don't know, I don't know, like, like for a first time buyer, I mean, it, it's, it is becoming tough, but there are opportunities out there. I was just looking at one in Niagara Falls. It was about, it was, I think it was January and it was a great deal. It was just on, it was like 449,000. And I said, you know what? This is not a bad property. You know what? You can c- kind of put an apartment in the basement, rent it out, or just leave it as a single family or whatever. And, and then think about what you want to do with it later. Yeah. And, um, you know, so there, there, there was, there's room there still on the odd property, but, mm-hmm. but, it, but it is the GTA is, is, uh, is driving the prices up in Niagara. They are. Yeah. Yeah. So. I had, um, a listing in Beamsville and I had a Niagara agent cause I, I, I tend to advertise my stuff on my social media a few days before it hits MLS. Right. Um, and I had a Niagara agent, um, bring me an offer for $200,000 under. And I'm like, girl, I go, you understand there's (laughs) bidding wars happening in Hamilton and I'm priced pretty low. Like I'm going to have multiples on this house, but you know what? That's how different, like, because Niagara hadn't picked up like Hamilton had yet. That's right. And I just said to her, I said, I like you. You're a great agent. I'm giving you the insider tip. It's coming for Niagara. Get your buyers ready. Yeah. Educate them that this shit isn't going to fly anymore. Right? That's usually over. they're about a month or two behind. Niagara's yeah. usually a month or two behind. It's kind of the wave from Toronto. The, the wave. It's like a wave. It comes from Toronto. It goes into the Burlington, Hamilton, and then it, and it, and it rides right into the Niagara Peninsula. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, Rob, it's... one last question for you. For an agent that might be struggling in the market today, do you have any advice for them? So if you're an agent struggling in this market, get out and do open houses. That's how. That's the only best way you're going to get buyers right now. Uh, build your build your business that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll, t- I'll tell you, there are so many lead generating systems out there. You can get leads anywhere. It's just converting them. But I think if you're at an open house and they see you and they like you, 
they will work with you. And you know what? I, I have people that called me up after 10, 15, 20 years. I did open houses like 10, 20, 15 years ago. They call me up now and remember me doing the open house. So can you imagine if I did an open house every single weekend for 20 years straight, do you know how big my my business would be today? Just me individually by myself with not no not nothing else I, I did. Yeah. You would build a huge business. You just gotta treat people. Don't don't be too salesy. Work with them. Talk to them. Show them. Talk them about the neighborhood. Talk about your dog. You know. Talk about the boats, the cars, whatever whatever is uh, you know uh, personalized. You know whatever you have in common with that person. You, you get to know them. They'll like you if you're if you're straight up and honest and, and good to them. They will come back to you, and uh, and just you just got to stay in touch. That's it. I, I'm telling you, that's that's the way to build this business right now. There's no other way. It's 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 it, it's quiet. It's quiet. People that are going to your open house, I'd say, I'd say, out of the ten people that are going in, I bet you three of them are really serious buyers, and those are the ones you got to get. Yeah. Thank you so much, Rob, for today. Always a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks for listening to everything they never told you about real estate. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. To connect with Carrie or for more information about her coaching program, check out carriesove.ca or at carriesove and associates on Instagram and TikTok. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next time.